in any in any parade, there are faces in the crowd, um, faces that are all there representing uh, different perspectives. The most easy to spot, I think, is the loud cheering crowd that's clamoring to get as close as they can to their hero. They're wearing hats, T-shirts, maybe they've got their face painted, their entire body painted, indicating their smitten allegiance to whoever they've come to honor that particular day. They have come to the parade to see their superhero, somebody that has done something absolutely amazing, supernatural, that they could never in their wildest imaginations imagine being able to do, right? At the Disney parade, because that's the one here in Southern California that we are most familiar with, right? If you're in Disneyland, the downtown Disney parade, um, these, this is a little girl named Jenny who nowadays is dressed up like um, Anna or Elsa from Frozen. And she is just at the very edge of that sidewalk just waiting to get a glimpse of Anna or Elsa and just scream wildly, you know, there she is, my hero. Or it's a five- or six-year-old little boy in California Adventure who sees Lightning McQueen come driving down the middle of um, that park and thinks that Lightning McQueen is really smiling and winking at him. And I know that five- or six-year-old little boys think that because I had one, right? And he believed that Lightning McQueen was looking at him. But it's also the girls who used to swoon at Elvis sightings. um, And it's the sports fan who line the streets when their NFL team has brought home the championship win. It's also easy to spot the VIPs, the ones with up-close and personal knowledge of the hero being honored. This is the hero's posse. And they are filled with pride as people chant their heroes' names because they know that as their hero rises to power, so do they. Their lives will take a turn up because their hero's life has taken a turn up. At the Disney Parade, these are the ones who walk alongside the floats with streamers or maybe on top of stilts. They they, They know no one has come to see them, but they are basking in the glory nonetheless, right? These um, are also the members of the basketball team that never saw the floor, but they still get to wear the ring, all right? They're the ones um, who are riding in town, riding through town on the coattails of the ones who did all the work, and they are loving every minute of it. They know that no one has come there to cheer for them, although somewhere inside they think, well, now I get, look, I mean... I'm getting the same honor and glory and power and prestige that comes with being part of this winning team, even though I never touched the basketball, right? Um, so there's the, those are kind of who the VIPs are. Harder to spot are the skeptics, the skeptics, the doubters, the ones who are there to find fault in the hero and in all this fuss being made. They um, attend the parade with just with looking for every reason to disprove and discount the worthiness of all of this pomp and circumstance that's going on. And because they come to that parade with jaded eyes, they find the fault that they are looking for. At the Disney parade, these are the dads who stand several feet back from the edge of the sidewalk, hopefully under some awning with, um, I shouldn't call them dads, but it usually is in our life, um, the underneath an awning to to protect them from the sun and they're just kind of like this cannot believe i am doing this again amen yeah there are a whole bunch of dads that are saying amen to that one um at the hometown hero parade these are the ones who wonder why they never got honored i mean after all i helped win the basketball high school basketball championship in 1968 you know i mean why don't i get a parade for that 
They are filled with jealousy that comes out in words like, well, we'll see if they can do it again next year. Or, you know, they just won because they got a couple of really good calls that they didn't deserve. That's why they're getting all this stuff. When you look with jaded eyes, the world seldom has color, right? My favorite faces to watch are the families of the heroes. They cheer, but with deeper pride and deeper love than any other face in the crowd. These are the moms and the dads or maybe the very close friends, the brothers and the sisters. They can't speak. They can't shout. They can't scream. Because if they do, they're just going to cry tears of joy, right? Some of you are smiling because you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is the inner circle of the hero that is filled with joy at what their son or their daughter or their best friend has become. Not necessarily what they have accomplished, but what they have become. They sit in the stand trying to comprehend how did we get here, and they are so delighted to be there. And as they take their place, not at the very front, not at the very back, just they just take their place And they're just waiting for their friend, their son, their daughter to pass in front of them so that they can catch a look in their eye, connect with them, and just say very clearly through that look of their eyes, I love you too. Right? So as we read our scripture story today, well, you want to know who those are in the Disney parade? We don't really know who they are. Right? We don't really know who the moms and dads are of the Elsas and the Annas that are parading through town. Um, We also really don't know if you go to a teen parade because they aren't looking for recognition. They aren't usually wearing a hat that says, I'm the mom of the hero. Right? I mean, the inner circle is, even in a hometown hero parade, um, is, is, is just kind of sitting there waiting for that moment when their eyes get to connect, right? So as we read our scripture story today, I want you to think of those four types of faces. The cheering crowd, the VIPs, the skeptics, and the inner circle. And I want you to see if you can find them. So we're going to read from John chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. me glasses so I could read to you today. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb, raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Did you, did you find the faces? Right? The cheering crowd is the most easy, easiest to spot. Right? They are there only because Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead. Bethany is just two miles away where Jesus did that. It's a suburb of Jerusalem. 
They are there only because there is a miracle worker in their midst and they want to have something to do with the miracle worker. Worker. But in just four or five days, they will shout. They will chant. This same crowd, crucify him, crucify him. Their cheers, their cheers of Hosanna, crucify him, are based on the mood of the moment. The cheering crowd is anchored only in the fickle winds of culture tossing and turning with the capricious tides of the loudest voice. I really liked that sentence. Would you like to hear it again? The cheering crowd is anchored only in the fickle winds of culture, tossing and turning with the capricious tides of the loudest voice. The VIPs, the ones riding on the coattails of Jesus are the disciples. They're pretty wrapped up in this parade, believing that Jesus was riding into Jerusalem to take his place as king, not of the Jews, but of the Roman world, right? And, and they, they just really believe that this is their moment to rise. This is their moment to take power. But what happens when Jesus is arrested and, and crucified? The disciples are filled with fear, and they deny him, not understanding the kind of kingdom Jesus really came to bring. Now, I don't think the disciples are as fickle as the crowd, do you? I think they're a little more hardy, a little more steadfast. But they still turn away from Jesus, and they still hide in shame. You see, the going got really tough for the disciples, And the disciples are left to wonder, is this really the Messiah we want to follow? The skeptics are very easy to spot. They are the Pharisees. And they came to the parade looking for a reason not to believe in Jesus. And they left, came jaded, they left believing their own truth. I have to tell you, I actually went to look for a definition of skepticism, or not necessarily a definition, but some quote that would really embody what I was trying to look for, and I just got depressed. I mean, skeptics don't believe good anywhere, you know? And if you come to life, or if you come to Jesus expecting to not believe in him, you're not going to, right? The inner circle is a little bit harder to spot, but I think they are there. And I think you'd have to go up a few more verses to find them. I think it's Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And here's why I think that. Just a few days before this Palm Sunday, what we call Palm Sunday now, but just before, a few days before this parade in Jerusalem, Jesus had been at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and, and they, they had given him a dinner party um, in his honor, That's the, what Scripture says. He has raised Lazarus from the dead. It doesn't say that it was this big, gigantic celebration. It says we're hosting a dinner in his honor. Okay? And I love the expressions of love that come out in all three of them. The scripture says that Martha was serving Jesus at the dinner. That's what Martha does. It says that Lazarus was sitting at the table talking and enjoying fellowship with Jesus. And it says that Mary took her very expensive perfume 
and poured it out on Jesus' feet. And then in a language of love that is completely lost to us in 2015, she takes her thick, dark, black, long hair and wipes his feet dry. I think that inner circle is at the parade. And I don't think that they are shouting and they're saying, look, Jesus, we're over here. I don't think they're doing any of that. I think they're just waiting their turn for the donkey that Jesus rides to pass in front of them so that they can lock eyes with their Messiah. And they can just say back to him, I love you too. Now, we all want to be part of the inner circle, right? I mean, most of us in here, unless you're a skeptic, most of us in here want to be part of the inner circle. I'm afraid that sometimes we're part of the cheering crowd. And teenagers, I'm going to pick on you a little bit for being part of the cheering crowd. Because it's easy to cheer for Jesus when you're at camp. Or let me tell you, when you go to NYC this summer, it's going to be really easy to cheer for Jesus. It's going to be really easy for you to raise your hand and worship for you to bow your head in prayer. It's going to be really easy for you to sit around and talk about all the things Jesus is doing in your life. And then in about eight weeks, you're going to show up back at your local junior high or high school. And there's going to be another parade shouting voices at you. The cheering crowd anchors their life in whatever voice they hear. I think many of us are disciples. That's where we would most easily find ourselves. Because when the going gets tough, are we really still with Jesus? Here's, this, here's how this played out recently in our life, and I hope that you hear me all the way through this. A couple of weeks ago, many of you know, um, um, our son landed in ICU. So he's 10 years old, and he had this massive explosive asthma attack, and we went from Grossmont Urgent Care at 10 p.m. on Saturday night. At 11 p.m., we were um, at Grossmont Hospital. At 11 a.m., the next Sunday morning, they were telling us they're transferring us to Radies Children's Hospital. And um, so we, we were in a regular room at Radies by 2 p.m. Sunday morning. And um, by 5 p.m. Sunday afternoon, we were in ICU with a BiPAP machine on. I know all sorts of new medical lingo. Never heard of a BiPAP machine. But it's one step away from a breathing tube. I didn't know that till a few days later either. That's probably a good thing. Um, he's fine now. He's in the Easter egg hunt. I mean, the story ends really well for him. All right? I don't remember in that three-day experience, I don't remember ever saying, Jesus, would you heal Matthew? I, I don't think it's I, – I don't know why I didn't pray that prayer. Right? Um. I don't think it was this grand faith. I think, I think probably it was pretty shallow. He's 10 years old. There's no way he's going to die from an asthma attack. I mean, I think it's probably that simple, right? And when you're in ICU at Radies, you're with the very best of the best. <laughs> you know, they make you feel really good. But I do remember praying, Jesus, I'm getting squeezed. Make sure good things come out. 
I, I gave up complaining for Lent. I've just started to publicize that, right? Oh, my word. I am now in a hospital room faced with my son on a BiPAP machine. I'm not allowed to complain, right? I'm not allowed to be a skeptic. I remember thinking, Jesus, just, just make sure as, 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 I, as I'm not getting any sleep, as I'm not getting any rest, it didn't, you know, adrenaline just takes over. But as I'm being squeezed, would you just make sure good things come out? Would you make sure that the nurses want to walk into the room of the Cook family? Would you, would you make sure that we are encouragers to them because they're doing so many good things? Would you make sure this is a bright spot in their day? Would you, would you make sure, Jesus, that, that we get to shine for them? I remember that being my prayer. And, and as, as Matthew got better, so many kept saying, oh, praise God, praise God, praise God. And, I, and in my head, and with the Lord, I went, mm, I don't know if I'm going to praise him for that. Because if I praise him that Matthew got better, I have to praise him if Matthew didn't. And I don't know if I can do that. The inner circle praises Jesus no matter what. Now, I don't mean just hangs with him. Like, I, I knew that if something really tragic happened, that Jesus would be with me. He will be with my family and with me no matter what comes our way. I know that. But can I praise him no matter what? That's a totally different issue. Right? Can I, I know I can praise him. If my three kids grow up, love Jesus Christ with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and find their own unique way to make the world a better place in the name of Jesus, I know I can praise him if that happens. But can I do that if they don't? I don't know that very many of us can answer that question sitting in this nice, cushy sanctuary today. I think we can make it our hope and our prayer. I think as we begin to walk through this week of Holy Week, we can say, Jesus, which face am I in the crowd? Oh, Jesus. I don't want to just cheer you because it's the loudest voice I hear and then crucify you because it's the loudest voice I hear. Jesus, I sure don't want to be a skeptic, except if you are a skeptic, you want to be a skeptic. Can I say that again? If you don't want to believe in Jesus the Messiah, you will find no reason to believe in him. Jesus, I'm afraid I'm a lot like the disciples. That when life gets really tough, 
I might just run and hide. I might, Jesus, I might be afraid to declare that I'm a Christ follower. I might deny you, Jesus, in the moment when it really counts. But that's not who I want to be. I want to be that proud face in the crowd. That one that just silently stands there and grins from ear to to ear because I'm so proud of who you are. I want to be that one whose face you are looking for because when we lock eyes and your eyes say to me, I love you, my eyes say back to you, I love you too. That's who I want to be. That's who I pray with all my heart. Jesus takes me all the way into that journey without giving me too many more days in ICU with my 10-year-old, right? I'm going to spend a few moments just in quiet reflection. You know what? There's still communion up here. I know we already did it once. But if you're sitting out there and you think, I need to be part of your inner circle. Would would you just come dip again? (laughs) Or maybe maybe you want to kneel at an altar. Maybe you want to get out. Whatever you want to do. Which face are you in the crowd? Would you let Jesus really speak to you about that? That is a place of conviction for every last one of us in this auditorium today. Which face are you? More importantly, how's this? Which face do you want to be? Is that a better question? Let Jesus take you to that place.